morning, saints. Good afternoon, saints. Would you please stand with me as we share in God's word from Luke chapter 2. We have it. Amen. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you when you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Lord always blesses the reading of his word. God's word, amen. Praise the Lord. We're in Luke chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being so kind to us. We pray even now that you will speak through me as your broken vessel. 
and speak to us as your servants, as your children, that we may indeed be edified with your words, that those who don't know you would be evangelized with your gospel. In the powerful, awesome name of Jesus, we do pray. And the people of God say amen. amen. I want to draw your attention to one of the most profound mysteries and miracles in all of the Bible, and that is the birth of Christ. Our calendars marks the most wonderful time of the year where most people rush out to places like Walmart and Target or go online to purchase gifts for their family and friends and loved ones. The gifts are then brought home, neatly wrapped, and secretly tucked away until Christmas Eve. A special place is made for the pine tree, decked with beautiful ornaments. Under the tree are beautifully wrapped gifts, filled with toys, clothes, iPads, Wii, underwear, gloves, and kitchen appliances. And I know for me, um, our living room, when we were growing up, was jam-packed with gifts. Then comes the day that everyone celebrates as Christmas. All gathered around the tree, stocking cats filled with goodies, mistletoe hanging from the ceiling, someone looking for a kiss, wife or husband. Chestnuts roasting over an open fire, or maybe not everyone has a fireplace. Jack Frost nippling at your nose, maybe that might be true. Very sentimental Christmas songs playing in the background. And with this feeling of excitement, while we're exchanging gifts and hugs and handshakes and kisses, after all the gifts are open, rarely do people notice that something is strangely missing and all the crackly noise and compliments and conversations. Does anybody know what's missing oftentimes on Christmas? Christ. Our Christmas can become so overcrowded that we don't have room for Christ. Isn't that interesting? A Christless Christmas. How oxymoronic is that? Many years ago, while I was watching America's Funniest Home Videos, a young boy was shown on Christmas morning. He came down the stairs and saw a large present beside the tree, and he ran over and tore it open to see what was inside, and paper went flying everywhere. And he suddenly broke out to a dance and jumped around the room and just shouted, wow, just what I always wanted. Wow, I love it, I really love it, wow. And after a while, he went over and looked at it again, and with a puzzled look on his face, he said, he said, what, what is it? What is this? And on that first Christmas, the angels announced the birth of a newborn child. The heavens were open, and all the company of heaven 
broke out into a praise, and the shepherds went racing to Bethlehem to see what it was all about. And for 2,000 years, people have been jumping up and down. Just what I always wanted. Exactly what I needed. But in the next breath, they look inside the manger and ask, what is it? Notice with me in antiquity how all this revolves around Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the end. Notice how God navigates the circumstances. He sets it in motion, turns the heart of the king to navigate Mary and Joseph to this little obscure town called Bethlehem to register for a census. Then, this real historical event took place in time, five miles south of Jerusalem in the city of David. God led them there because the prophet Isaiah said Israel's Messiah would be born there. Jesus is fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy written over hundreds of years earlier. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, as we sung earlier. Think for a moment about the magnitude of Christ's birth that provokes praise and worship. This is how we ought to magnify Christ on Christmas. First, I want you to notice that God gift wrapped himself in an earthly body. Can you imagine the God who formed the galaxies, the creator of the ends of the earth? The gift of Christmas comes to us in a package that staggers the human imagination. What a fitting beginning. God came to the earth he created, yet there was no room to accommodate him. Eternal light hiding in a human body. The one who had no beginning and no end restricts his spaciousness to a fetus, enduring nine months of pitch blackness in the virgin's womb. Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit without sexual intercourse. Wow. Philip Yancey tells it best. He says, the God who roared, who can order armies and empires like a pawns on a chessboard, this God emerged from Palestine as a baby who could not speak or eat solid food or control his bladder, who depended on a teenager for shelter, food, and love. What humiliation Christ endured on our behalf. The Apostle Paul said it this way, it was read earlier. Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
in the very nature God did not consider equality a thing to be grasped, but made himself of nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in human appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even obedient to the point of death on the cross. And not only did God wrap himself in an earthly body, but the scripture here says that Mary and Joseph wrapped Jesus in swallowing cloths. The ancient Palestine mothers would wrap their infants into cloths tightly to give the baby comfort, warmth, and protection from the elements. Luke also reminds us that it, this was a sign for the shepherds to identify the Christ child, as we see in verse 12. Ironically, I don't believe it's coincidental that Luke records another time that Jesus' body is being wrapped. And that was when Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea came to wrap the body of Jesus after his death. You see, Jesus was born to die so that we could be born again to live for him. It reminds me of that song that says, you came from heaven to earth to show us the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt be paid. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. And even though the Messiah was packaged in human form, many religious leaders of that day refused to accept him. In John 1, he came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. In fact, they wanted to repackage him because he did not meet their messianic expectations. They wanted someone who would overthrow the Roman government to set up this earthly kingdom. Later we discover in the narrative that they rejected him, they mocked him, they spit on him, they beat him bloody into a pulp and even crucified him on a cross made of a tree. He was born to die. So while we're getting ready to open up those gifts on the day of Christmas, please remember that God wrapped his gift on a tree over 2,000 years ago. Gift wrapped himself to die for our sins. And even though he was gift wrapped for us, there was no room for him, not even on Christmas Day. The scripture says here, Verse 7, that she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Let me read that again. They wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in a manger. And when I discovered what manger was, that wasn't your typical crib. It staggers the human imagination that God himself would stoop that low. That they would place him in a manger. A manger was a feeding trough for animals. Why the manger? 
because there was no place or no room, no guest room available. The town was packed for the registration. The inn where Joseph and Mary were staying was full and no more guest rooms available. Not even for a pregnant woman who could go into labor at any moment. And what's paradoxical is that the king of kings' choice of entrance, it was nothing flashy. He was not born in a king's palace or given royal treatment by high officials of that day other than the Magi. No grand entrance. It was a meek manger, a feeding trough for animals. Selah. Pause. Calmly think about that. A dirty vessel, not really tasteful for someone of his magnitude. And even worse, there was no place inside the lounge for him to be born. His parents were dirt poor. Their options were very limited. Folks, Jesus identifies with us in our poverty. We're poverty stricken by sin. In fact, the scripture says that Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. Not only look at his crib that they placed him in, but look at the choice of people he chose to entrust and proclaim the gospel. Look at verse 8. And in the same region, the scripture says, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. <laughs> These were no big shots. These were no potentates or dignitaries. This, this wasn't uh, Caesar Augustus or Cornelius, governor of Syria. No. God came down to hardworking poor people that God's angels came to shepherds. They were considered in that day to be social outcasts. Ordinary people doing what they did day in and day out, living ordinary lives. Scholars tell us that these shepherds more likely were pastoring flocks destined for the temple sacrifices. Their job was dangerous. They made sure that the sheep, the sheep were safe from wandering off and injuring themselves. Their job was dirty. It put them in so close proximity to the sheep that they violated every ceremonial law from the Jewish leaders. They couldn't even participate in the Jewish synagogue services. They were social outcasts. Shepherding sheep was an undesirable job. Many people in the religious community looked down on shepherds because of their constant contact with the sheep. sheep. They were unfit to keep up with the ceremonial cleansing laws. In Jewish circles, they were considered unclean peasants. But God breaks into their world, ordinary place, meeting ordinary people in an extraordinary way. This is what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. Folks, the Apostle Paul, also a companion of Luke, tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, 
through 28. But God chose what is foolish to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. The Lord God chose these shepherds to bear the good news of Christ's birth in view that one day, Jesus, as the chief shepherd and as the good shepherd, will lay down his life for the sheep by becoming the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John tells us. Yes, the son wrapped himself in human flesh. Mary wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in a manger. But now, God suddenly, in verse 9, wraps his glory around these shepherds. The nobodies of that society. Look at verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That's an understatement. And as the shepherds were tending their sheep, the sky blew up with angelic activity. God wrapped his blazing bright glory around these shepherds. And they were terrified, and rightly so. They were in awe that the spiritual realm was ripping into their physical life and didn't know what it meant, but soon they will discover why. In a real way, I feel that we constantly need to cultivate this holy fear of the Lord's presence so that Christmas does not become mediocre, mundane, or trivial. For the spirit of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding. And as terrifying as it was for these shepherds, the angel quickly comforts them by commanding them to fear not. Everyone say fear not. Or do not be afraid. In other words, you are not in danger. Fear not. Fear not is a command that's laced throughout scripture and it will be worth studying. In Genesis chapter 20 verse, verse 17, an angel appears to Hagar and says, what? Genesis chapter 26 verse 24, God appears to Isaac at night and says, fear not. Genesis chapter 46 verse 3, God speaks to Jacob and says, fear not. Numbers 21, verse 34, God speaks to Moses about a battle and says, Joshua 8, verse 1, God encourages Joshua about his presence and says, Joshua 6, verse 23, God appears again and he was sure he is going to die, but God says to him, in Judges Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, an angel appears to Daniel and touches him on the shoulder and says, Fear not. In Luke chapter 1, verse 13, an angel appears to Zechariah as, as he was preparing and serving in the temple and says to him, fear not. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, an angel appears to Mary to announce about Jesus and says to Mary, fear not. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, God appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him about Jesus and says, Fear not. Take Mary as your wife, for the child is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel appears to these shepherds 
these nobodies in society and says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fear not. Not only do we see the Lord telling us to fear not, but look at the clear message of the gospel here in verse 10. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. It's for all the people. In other words, this, this was a groundbreaking truth. Luke is telling us, basically, that the gospel levels the playing field. Salvation is open to all people. Not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Worshiping God and walking in all with gospel truth and neighbor love. Do we really hear the message of Christmas? The celebration of Christ's birth is good news. It's overwhelming joy for all nations. White, black, brown, yellow people of every tribe, nation, and tongue. Praise God for the work he's doing at Risen Hope Church. And praise God for the intentionality of grace and grace ministry. Not only is the gospel for all people, but it is also intensely personal. Verse 11, it says what? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, he says to the shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in the manger. You see, it's not enough for us to abstractly say that it's great that you believe that Christ came. That's good. Millions of people say that, but they're still lost in their sins. It's not enough to say that Christ came for someone else. You can never really be saved until you say and believe that Christ came and died for my sins and rose from the grave for me. He came for you. Do you believe that? Not only do we find a clear message of the gospel, we also see a clear sign to these shepherds. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. Three things you'll find. You'll find a baby. <laughs> wow. Not a man. A baby. The Savior. The King of Kings. A baby. In swallowing cloths and then lying in a manger. Now, that would be highly unusual during that time. But for the shepherds, because they were so familiar with feeding sheep and feeding animals, they would know exactly what that would look like. God gave them a sign. And suddenly, watch this. <laughs> the scripture tells us that as we, as we read this, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. And there suddenly was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is, ple he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found 
Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, be careful. Uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby weren't in the manger. It was just the baby in the manger. Okay, so <laughs> grammatical situation there. And when they saw it, the scripture says, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. But also I want you to notice here that the message of Christmas provokes the highest praise even among an army of angels who had no idea what it meant to be saved. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And in the very next chapter, you'll recall Luke records Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. You see, God the Father is well pleased with those who are in Christ. The question is, are you in Christ? The message of Christmas is the greatest news you will ever hear. It is the announcement of the King of Kings, Jesus, being born in a real body, in a real historical place, as Savior and Lord over all who receive him by faith. And when you trust the Savior and King and Lord, all glory ascends to God and God's peace descends upon you. Christmas is about us having peace with God by receiving the Prince of Peace. And when you are at peace with God, forgiven of all your sins, you have the peace of God. And you learn the essence of what it means to give God all the glory. Let me ask you a question. Are you at peace with God? This divine encounter compelled these shepherds to respond in faith. In real faith, in faith that is active. Notice what happens in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This divine encounter compelled these shepherds to move with a sense of urgency in their search for the baby Jesus. And I can imagine that they were traveling from house to house with excitement, searching diligently for the manger kid. And in a sense, I understand why they were so hardworking. They were shepherds. It was easy for them to break a sweat. You see, this was the acceptable Christmas rush. They were not rushing to Walmart or Target or shopping malls to purchase gifts. They were rushing to see Savior and proclaim the Savior. It almost sounds like a rap song. And when the shepherds arrived and saw the sign and seeing the child, the Christ child in verse 17, the scripture says they proclaimed the gospel immediately. They didn't get into all the details about their supernatural encounter with God's glory and the angels. They simply shared what they were told. I guess you can say that these shepherds practiced good exegesis. They stuck with the text. And the scripture says, in response, all who heard it heard these things, wondered at these things. Verse 18. But Mary did something interesting. She treasured and pondered all these things in her heart. 
It reminds me of that beautiful song called Mary, Did You Know? Did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day save our sons and daughters? Did you know, Mary, this child that has delivered, you delivered, will one day soon deliver you? Wow. Mary treasured and pondered all these things in her heart. And I think that's appropriate for us to ponder this Christmas story again for us. The shepherds went back to work glorifying and praising God. They went back home, the scripture says. They went back to their jobs. They went back to herding sheep. They went back to their community. They went back praising and glorifying God for all they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Having seen Jesus in the manger, they were overwhelmed by God's power. They, they experienced his grace and his goodness and his wisdom and this amazing miracle of the incarnation. But they, they simply could not stop talking about what they had seen and heard. What did these shepherds do when they received this special revelation of Christmas? They did not leave the grimy, mundane job of feeding and caring for sheep to go into ministry full time. No, they didn't do that. Not everyone is called to that. These shepherds went back home differently. They went back to work as different people. In the shepherds' initial greeting from the angel, they were terrified. In going home, they were transformed. No, Christmas did not change their circumstances. They were still shepherds. But it changed them deeply and profoundly. Because it changed them, it changed the way they did their daily work. I need y'all to hear that. In a couple of weeks, Christmas will come and go. Decorations and lights will go back into the box. The tree will go out for trash. The kids will go back to school and you will go back to work. And some gifts will be taken back to be exchanged. The question is, does the birth of Christ make any difference in your life? Does the amazingness of this miracle of Christ's incarnation provokes within you a spirit of praise and worship? Does it even change the way you do your job or raise your children? I know for me, every time I hold my baby girl in my hands, I capture those precious moments. She's only seven weeks old. I get sentimental. And she knows how to manipulate me from the cradle. But every time I hold this little girl, I think about how much God loves me. That he himself would become a child. He was born to die for me that I will become born again to live for him. The son of God became the son of man so that the sons and daughters of man can become the sons and daughters of God. You can Instagram that. You can Facebook that. I want to close with this very powerful quote. I like it. It's a motivational quote. 
The two most important moments in a person's life is the moment you were born and the second moment is you discover why you were born. I, I think I understand the main point of that motion, motivational quote because it speaks to who you were put on this earth for. What would you put on this earth for? It speaks to your potential as a human being. But I want to go deeper than that. I want to restate it this way. The two most important moments in your life is the day you discover why Christ was born and the moment you understand why you need to be born again. Are you ready for the greatest gift of salvation right now? For God so loved the world, how much? He gave his only unique son that whosoever live right, whosoever stop sinning, whosoever get out of that relationship, no, whosoever believes in him, you cannot behave right until you believe right. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So my question to you is this, are you ready to receive the greatest joy of Christmas, just like those shepherds. If you want to receive Christ, now is the day of salvation. The moment you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Jesus was born to die. He wrapped himself in flesh. They wrapped him in swallowing cloths. They laid him in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. He wrapped himself around these shepherds, these nobodies with his glory and gave them and entrusted with them the good news of salvation. And they did not leave their craft. They did not leave their work. It made them better people. They were transformed. They went back to work, different people. So my question to you is, will you magnify Christ this Christmas? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the meditation on the miracle of your birth this extraordinary divine encounter, heaven colliding with earth. This utter humility that staggers the human imagination that you would even think and even take on the form of a servant to humble yourself, not to be born in a palace, but be, to be born in place in a feeding trough for animals. That is my glory. Remind us, Lord God, that as we get into the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, as we get caught up in the Christmas rush, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to pause, to calmly think about what you came to do for us, how you were born to die for us so that we could be born again to live for you. We pray this in the awesome and wonderful name of our Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and the people of God say amen.